Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. So, the question this evening is, what does it mean to live a radical life for God? That's the question. What does it mean? I mean, isn't that, wow, well, you're going to live radical? Well, what does it mean to live a radical life for God? Like, like seriously, when we think, when we think of living radical, you know, we go, hey, are you living radical? Well, things like, I guess, overseas mission trip. I'm going to live radical. We're going overseas. We're going to take a group to Ethiopia, and we're going to live there for three weeks, and it's going to be radical, and, and we're going to see things we've never seen before, and demon-possessed people get saved and healed, and, and that is radical. That's sometimes we, we, we think of that as radical, or maybe some of us think, hey, listen, I think radical is standing on the street corner on a soapbox, if you will, and preaching to people. Just, just tell him about God. Just telling people in the busy streets of downtown Lubbock or so forth. You're just telling people about Jesus. You would say that that would be radical. Of course, you've seen, if you lived in Lubbock any time, any length of time, you've seen on the corners of certain streets, there would be people, man standing in a street sign that said, Jesus loves you. And we would see him day after day after day after day. And we'd pass by and we'd honk and people would be talking to him. And I bet there were a lot of people that thought that's radical. Hi, why? Well, we could never do this. We have a job. We have to be places. We've got soccer. We've got, we've got all this stuff. But he, day after day after day after day, standing out there with signs, he says, Jesus loves you and, and a cross and so forth. And you go, well, that might be radical. I think that's radical. That might be radical. Or maybe when we think of living radical for Jesus, something like this comes to mind. Maybe it's not standing on the corner with a street sign, but maybe it is for us or for some of us to go out late on a Friday or Saturday night with gospel tracks, gospel tracks down to the depot district, and we're going to tell people about Jesus as they're coming out, and maybe they've had one too many, and we want to tell them about the love of God. And maybe that's our, that's our, this is how we're going to live radical. And of course, that is radical, right? Two in the morning, there you are. Hey, man, Jesus loves you. And sometimes that's radical because you can get into a fight. Some people are not real... Nice, coming out of the bars and such. But it is radical, sharing the love of God to those who are lost and maybe those who have backslidden, and those who are broken. Guys, we can do so many things that we could do for God in the name of radical living. But quite honestly, we've learned, if you will, if we simply purpose in our heart to live the way God has commanded us. If we simply get up every morning and say, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to commune with you. I want to have a relationship with you. If we simply just do that, I'm telling you right now, people would consider you radical. If you prayed before your meal in front of a bunch of colleagues, people would consider you radical. Oh, Ben, no, 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 seriously. This is Lubbock. Everybody prays. I mean, you go to the restaurant, you see them, they all bow their heads. It's radical living. Listen, in the book of Daniel, we know that Daniel is taken away from his hometown. 
We know that he was in Jerusalem and he was taken away 900 miles to a place called Babylon. Daniel, young kid at the time, Babylon, if you will, is modern-day Iraq. So you could imagine being in Israel today, being in Jerusalem, and now being taken and saying, we're going 900 miles and you're going to the city of Iraq. Iraq, through Scripture, has always been a type of the world. You can jot that down. Why? Because Babylon, I mean, think about this. Think about Babylon. Think about the world that Daniel is being taken to, right? He's kidnapped, if you will, by Nebuchadnezzar. But he's not kidnapped for ransom. He's not kidnapped like, hey, you better give me some money. You know, if you want Daniel back, he's kidnapped because, well, God had determined it. The record of these events extends in the third year of Cyrus, about 536 B.C., and it covers about 70 years. Now, catch this. Daniel spent the rest of his life in a foreign land waiting to go back to Jerusalem. Daniel, now now listen, I want you to feel the weight of that verse, feel the weight of, of what's going on here. Why? Because a lot of us feel this way. A lot of us feel, God, I want to go home. We want to go home to our Jerusalem. We want to go home to heaven. We want to be with those we love who have gone before us, but we're stuck in this world. We feel like we're in Babylon. And we're walking through and we're going, okay, I want to make the best of Babylon, but really our hearts is, are, is longing for that eternal rest and that eternal peace. It just is. That's how, that's what, when God came inside you and he saved you and he washed away all your sin, you knew that you wanted to spend eternity. Listen, things on this earth can be really good. You got a good marriage. You got a great job. You got things happening. I mean, you never lack for anything, but still your heart should be longing. I want to go home. I want to go home. Well, where's home? You, you want to buy a bigger house? No, I just want to go home. I want to be with my God. And of course, that's exactly what happened to Daniel. Daniel spent the rest of his life in a foreign land waiting for the time where he could go back to Jerusalem. And of course, history suggests that Daniel died at the age of 86 in Babylon, in Babylon. Daniel and his friends would be someone we consider Radical, radical, not because they set out to be difficult, not because they were taken and they said, we're going to fight you every step of the way, not because we said, hey, listen, that's it, we're, be, we're out of Jerusalem, we're going into the world, this is what we're going to do, but simply because they set out to be different, to be different. You see, guys, for the longest time, the world has tried to infiltrate the church. And I don't mean the church building. I mean, I mean the church body. And what the world has been doing is knocking, 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 and trying to infiltrate our hearts so that you and I could look like and become more like the world instead of stepping back and, no, no, God has called me to be different. I'm not going to be holier than thou, and I'm not going to walk around like Mr. Righteous, but what I want to do is I want to be different. I want to, I want to have a relationship. I mean, think about this. Think about this when you first began a relationship with your significant other, when you think about the relationship you have with your spouse, how your life changed. Why? Because it's a relationship. It's a relationship. And of course, that's exactly, we set out to be different, church, different. That's the encouragement. God, I want to be different. 
listen, I know the world is, is running a certain way. I see what's going on, but I want to be different. What does different look like to you? What does different look like? Is it, is that people going, hey, well, man, you just like, you just kind of blend in. Yes, right? Everybody's blender is working and we're just blending in and people don't know. And when you do certain things, they think you're a good person. They don't know that you're a believer. We want to be different. Daniel wants to be different. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego want to be different. Where? They want to be different in Babylon. Guys, understand, Babylon is a lot like our world. You go, how so? Babylon was a cruel place. Babylon was a cruel place. It had new customs. Could you imagine coming from, exactly coming from Jerusalem? You have all your customs and all your dietary laws, and now you're being taken into another place, and it's got some new ideas and a new lifestyle and a new way of thinking, and it's cruel and it's ugly and it's awful. And not only that, but you miss all of the people that love you and that who you love. And I looked at Babylon. And I was thinking, it's much like our world today. It's much like our world today. Guys, I, as I began to pray about this message and say, God, what do you, where do you have us in, in Daniel? And, and what's, he, what's he facing? And what's he going against? And, and he reminded me of Babylon. Babylon was not the place you wanted to be unless you were worldly, unless you were different, unless you were... And I started thinking, it's a lot like our world. It's a lot like what we're facing every single day. You realize that? Now, listen, let me give you an example, okay? Let me give you an example. What I did today is I just went online and our local newspaper, and here's what I found. This is what you all have to deal with every day. Every single day, this is what's bombarded to you. You go, what's that? Our local newspaper says this. Attorneys for Justin Chisholm said that they believe the 31-year-old was legally insane at the time that he killed his four-year-old daughter back in 2015. That's the headline in our newspaper. You're just like, well, who, 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 who would do that? I mean, think of the questions that go through your mind. This world is, are you serious? A four-year-old and you're thinking. And so you might skip that and you think, okay, well, what else? Well, it says a counselor called John Martinez, check this out, to tell him his daughter was part of a group of middle school girls who downloaded a cell phone app sex traffickers can use to target their victims. Upon investigating this app, we find out that these perpetrators had access to phone numbers of hers, her pictures. Martinez said, quote, the day we found out, we actually had a conversation with her about the app on her phone and just and just started to tell her that this app was targeted for bad things. During the conversation, his daughter told him how she recently hung up on an unknown man who called and asked her by name if she wanted to play a game with him. His daughter thought the app was harmless, but after finding out the dangers, she began to cry. You go, Pastor, what app? I don't know what app it is. But this is what we're bombarded with in our world. Guys, if I can shoot straight with you, 20 years ago, we didn't worry about apps. We didn't worry about things that could potentially hurt our kids. 
30 years ago. I mean, we knew that they were out there. We knew that this happened. But what's happening in our world is that we're living in Babylon and it's getting increasingly, increasingly, increasingly evil. Middle schoolers. You go, well, what else? Well, in our local community, it says Lubbock County Grand Jury on Tuesday indicted a man who police said admitted to beating to death a 79-year-old man in September in a central Lubbock home. This is our world. This is our world. This is what you and I face every single day as we get up and, and purpose to live the Christian life. This is what we have to face. You go, Ben, that sounds, that sounds, I mean, just, well, let me, let, me, let me give you a couple more, but this is a national level. This is a national level, and that doesn't include what we, what we heard today, right? An active shooter in Fort Worth. I mean, and it's like, it's like I mean, guys, here's, here's what's happening to us. Here's what's happening to us is, is that as we get on Facebook, as we get on the Internet, as we pull up MSN, as whatever, whatever page you have coming up on your computer, it, it's happening so much that we're becoming callous to it. We're just like, oh, another one. Lord Jesus, I hope they're okay. And then we get on our day. We get busy. Okay, I've got to do, got to do, got to, you know, and, and, and but, but, but that's one today. But let me give you another one, right? It says this. In Chicago, um, Cherie Hendricks, a veteran Chicago Police Department detective, was arrested at Louisiana Walmart on Christmas Eve for stealing $113 worth of reading glasses and coffee mugs. Wasn't Hendricks' first incident? She was arrested for shoplifting more than $200 worth of vitamins in 2013 at a Chicago Whole Foods. Here you have a police detective in our world who's, I'm just like, wow, okay, okay. Well, Ben, that, that's not so bad. Well, how about this one? In Willingdon, Ohio, an Ohio man accused of kidnapping his neighbor and keeping her trapped in a small pit has been ordered, held on a $1 million bond. It's a world we live in. Joliet, Illinois. The body of one-and-a-half-year-old girl was found at a deplorable northern Illinois home that she and her mother shared with squatters after her mother reluctantly allowed detectives inside to search And a day after she reported her daughter missing, authorities said on Thursday. So you have a mom going, my daughter's gone. She's been kidnapped. She's gone and realized that where she's been was in the house, deceased the whole time. Guys, you go, Pastor, your point, why do you tell us all this on a Wednesday night? Here's my point, right? We're living in a world, we're living in a world that is simply going the opposite direction of what God had originally intended. And it's moving at the speed of a, of a freight train down the tracks. We long as believers to hear some good news. And then when we get some good news, like, like somebody does good in the community, we rejoice for a moment, but we're so bombarded with all of this negative stuff. It's like, are you kidding me? Guys, for you see, it was sin that came into the world and corrupted everything and everyone that got in its way. And so God sends his son, Jesus Christ, to right the wrong, to set the things in order. But you know what he does? He does it in the most unusual way. Now, stay with me for just a moment, okay? If you were God, 
and you wanted to right the wrong. You saw sin come in and wipe out like a flood, right? All of a sudden, Adam and Eve, you know, chapter two, they're having a good time. He's looking at his wife. He's saying, wow, this is flesh of my flesh, bone of my bones. This is crazy. This is amazing. God is good, right? And he's just having a good time. But then chapter three comes and sin enters the world and it just fractures everything, guys. What would you do if you were God? You go, okay, Sin came in. I mean, first of all, I'm going to take out that serpent, whatever it is, lightning and just strike him dead, right? Because that's the whole cause of that. And then, I mean, Adam and Eve, it's just two, two people, just two, just take them out. Boom, boom. All right, let's start over. Let's try again. You are the new Adam. Wouldn't we do that, right? We would try to, we would try to what? We try to, but God doesn't do that. You know how he's going to right the wrong? You know what blows my mind? You know how he's going to, you know how he's going to bring the righteousness back into the world? You know how he does it? He saves people like you and me. He saves us. Pastor, I'm saved. Yeah, listen, he didn't save you just to save you. He didn't save you. You can go, I'm saved. All right. Praise God, I'm saved. How's it going? I'm saved, 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 saved. He saved you because he wants to, he wants to use us. Do you, you guys tracking with me? You get that? He, want, he wants to use us in the most unusual ways. And I'm thinking, God, I mean, if it was me, I would have done it completely different. But you are so smart, much, I mean, just awesome and smarter and, and I mean, just amazing. And what does he do? He saves men and women just like you and me, and he, he sets us on a path and a journey, if you will, to do what? Just to live righteously. Just to live righteously and radically for him. Now, the world hasn't changed, but you have. The world hasn't changed. There's still people out there struggling, broken. They're still, it's still a mess. If you, if you really take a moment to, we feel like we're in a pressure cooker. We feel like we're just, I mean, this world is getting ready to explode. And you and I, I know you because you're believers in me. And you're going, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Maranatha, I'm ready to go home. It's a pressure cooker. The world hasn't changed, but you have. You have. So guess what? It, if the world hasn't changed and it's still, I mean, this is just today's headlines, right? We know. You're going, Pastor, I'm with you. The world's headed to hell in a handbasket. It's going faster than I can imagine. What can I do? Tr- trust me. Listen, listen. He, here's what he wants to do, right? He wants to change you. He wants to use you. But if I was your enemy, what would I do? The one thing I would want to get you to do is compromise your walk. The world's not changing, but you've changed. And now that you've changed, I want to get you to compromise. I want you to get you to backslide a little bit. I want you to not be so radical. I want you to just, hey, listen, you're saved. You can go to church. You can go to church, but don't be radical. Don't live every day for, don't get up and, and, and get into the word of God. Guys, do you remember when, do you remember, and I pray that it's still there. Do you remember when you first got saved and you opened the Bible and it was just like, I can't stop reading. And it's two in the morning and you're just excited and you're just going, my, are you kidding me? And the enemy comes in and he wants to, he wants to get us to compromise just a little bit. Hey, 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 calm down. It's a it's a journey, dude. He's gonna be got a long time to read the Bible. Don't get all don't get all excited. 
If I was your enemy, that's exactly what I'd want to do, guys. I'd want to get you to live lives that are so defeated that eventually you blend into the world. That's what I would do. That's what you would do for me. Oh, goodness sake, pastor. We don't want a pastor who, who preaches and teaches the word of God and, and, and gets up every morning and, and is praying and, and is seeking God and is, and is, and is just... Yet God, yet God called us to love him and he calls us to love his people and to live radically. And so the one thing that we can learn from Daniel, church, is that he had a walk with God. He had a real walk with God and he was put into a situation that a lot of us are put into. You go, what's that? If you're taking note, just jot this down. He was a Hebrew thrown into a heathen world. He was a Hebrew put in a heathen world. Don't you feel like that sometimes? You're like, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, but man, I feel like I'm just in, oh, in the miry, in the muck of this world. It's just, are you kidding me? You should hear how my coworkers talk. You should hear how what they say. You should hear my boss. You should hear. And, and we just feel like that. We feel like we're a Hebrew put into a heathen world. We feel like we're a believer just entrenched in a world that's opposite of what God has determined. And so, Pastor, what's the application? Well, let's chat for just a moment, okay? Sometimes our faith and our walk with God can or does become an inconvenience. You, Pastor, what, what are you talking about? Well, oftentimes, because we're believers, it'll place us in an inconvenient situation. Sometimes in our lives, like Daniel, we'll be confronted with a problem to compromise our walks with Jesus. Just me? You know what I'm talking about? especially when the world is desperately trying to squeeze you into its mold. You stand here and go, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I'm a, I'm a fully f- devoted follower of Jesus. And the world goes, okay, let's see. And it begins to try to squeeze you into its mold. Think about this, church. The world keeps telling us, it's all right. Calm down. Everybody's doing it. You can compromise a little bit. Join in. Don't be such a drag. Right? Why y'all holier than thou? And that's what the world keeps telling us. And we tend to compromise our faith because it seems like that is what we have to do to get ahead in the world. We have to compromise. Well, okay, I'll compromise a little bit. But listen, when we gave our lives to Jesus, when we purpose to follow him, Our faith at times becomes, it puts us in stressful situations. Our faith in our walk can and will put us at odds with those around us. It's going to. You go, well, give me an example. Let me give you an example for illustration purposes. When your boss suggests that you keep a lie to keep your job, your faith can be an inconvenience. How's that? Your boss goes to you and say, hey, listen, um, listen, what, what you saw here, we need you to keep a hush-hush or whatever it is. If you want to keep your job and you're just like, oh, but I'm, but I'm a Christian. You go, Pastor, give me another example. You know, when, when the guys or the gals at work are 
telling filthy jokes and you're standing there. Your faith at that point can be an inconvenience, right? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Or when the cashier gives you more money back than that was due you. You see, guys, that's what God has called us to do, and that's how he's called us to live radical. You go to the store, you buy something, you pay with some money, and she gives you the wrong amount of change back, and she gives you more than you deserve. And a lot of us, we should say, oh, I'm sorry, you gave me $20 too much. Our faith puts us in, in what? In, in inconvenience, and you go, Why? Oh, that's a blessing, man. I needed the extra 20 bucks. I'll just stick it in my pocket. Nobody's going to miss this. It's in a big world. It's the, listen, it's a big corporation. It's a big supermarket. They're going to miss 20 bucks. And you walk out the store and you say, thank you, Jesus. Or maybe your boss asks you to fudge a little on an expense report. I think about Jesus, guys, for just a moment. I think about when he was praying for us, right? If you're taking note, jot this down. It's, it's John chapter 17. You can look it up later, but just listen to, just listen. This is, this is God in the flesh praying for you and I. This is God in the flesh, right? John chapter 17. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, but notice what he says. In verse 14, he says, I have given them your word and the world hates them. Because they do not belong to this world. Do you, do you hear what Jesus is praying? Do you hear that? He's saying, God, he's saying Lord, I, I, I gave them your word. They have your word. And guess what? The world hates them. The world hates them. Why? Because you guys don't belong to the world. Just as I do not belong to the world. Verse 15. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. You and I are raising our hand and going, Jesus, take us out. Take us out. Take us. I want to go home. I don't want to be part of this. And he goes, Lord, I didn't, I don't want you to take him out. Why? Because that's how he's going to change the world. That's how he's going to, that's, I mean, God has this incredible plan to use us. But keep them safe. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Guys, Jesus prays that we would not be overtaken by the worldly influences. The worldly influences. See, this is not the first time that Jesus alluded to this important subject. He actually speaks about the uselessness of a candle that's hidden, right? You would not put a candle and hide it under a bushel. Or, or he said, what about salt? He says, what happens, guys, what happens if salt loses its flavor? What are you going what, what, what to use it for? There's nothing, right? And we don't think about that, but I mean, just think about, think about this, right? You get home and you got some food, right? And, and your wife doesn't cook with salt, so you know it's going to be a little bland, so you Take a little bit of salt and you start putting it on there. Cut it up. Don't, don't taste anything. Right? And you sit there and, and you go, honey, what's wrong with this salt? Oh, it doesn't have any flavor. Well, what's it good for? 
And Jesus talks about that, right? He talks about that. And, and here's why. Here's why. Listen. God knew that there would be a draw for people to conform to the world instead of following him. God knew that. Therefore, what did he do? He gave us his word and he gave us godly examples to remind us to stand strong in the midst of worldliness. So if you're taking notes, in order to have a radical life in this world, I believe we have to have some non-negotiables in place. You go, Ben, what's a non-negotiable? Jot this down. A non-negotiables are more than a set of religious beliefs for us as believers. They can't just be a set of religious beliefs. Here it is. You ready? It is a commitment to risk everything we have or we are for the faith that we hold on to. Let me say that again, okay? A non-negotiable is a commitment that you and I have to risk everything we have or everything that we are for the faith that we hold to. That's why, church, it's so important that you have a real, bona fide, honest-to-God relationship with Jesus because if you're not willing to risk for the faith you hold on to because you don't have a faith then you're going to stumble very much every day in this world. We go, Pastor, what did you just say? You behave what you believe. You behave what you believe. However you believe, that's how you're going to behave. If you believe Jesus is the Son of God and this is his inerrant word, you're going to behave that way. You're not going to compromise anything. But if you believe, hey, Jesus was a good man, I'm not sure where, I, where, where, where he stands on the whole scheme of history, well, what faith are you going to hold on to? You go, well, what are some non-negotiables? Well, let's read, guys, in Daniel chapter 1. And um, we'll just try to read a little bit here. We'll read 1 through 7, and then we'll pick it up in verse 8. It says, Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and to besiege it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought articles into the treasure of the house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, quick to understand, and had ability to serve in the king's palace, to whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans." And the king appointed for them daily provision from the king's delicacies and the wine which he drank, three years of training so for them, so that the end, that, that the time they might serve before the king. Now, from among those of the sons of Judah, Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. She gave Daniel the name of Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego, 
Okay, so now we pick it up in verse 8. But notice, here's the first thing I want you to notice. Daniel's name was changed when he came to Babylon. That's the first thing. That's Captain Obvious. You go, what do you mean? He says, here's what happened. It was Daniel, and they changed his name to Belteshazzar. Everybody got that? And then he said, but then his three compadres are now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those are, those are all Babylonian names. Everybody got that, right? But as Daniel writes this, notice the name he employs. He says, I'm not a heathen, I'm a Hebrew. How so? Look at verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart. He didn't say, but Belteshazzar, you know, listen, I'm in the world. I'm going to compromise a little bit. It's okay. It's okay. Listen, I got saved. I got saved back in 1982 or 1992 or 2000, whatever, whenever you got saved. He says, but it's okay. It's okay. Listen, because I've got my worldly name. And you know, Daniel goes, no, 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 no. Listen, I'm not a heathen. I'm, I'm a Hebrew. And I'm, I'm going to employ my name Daniel, which means God is judge. God is judge. But Daniel, what did he do, guys? He purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, we have to do some work. How so? The first thing I want you to note, guys, you can circle the word purposed. Why? Because the original Hebrew, the word actually means laid upon his heart. Daniel, it laid upon his heart. Well, a couple of takeaways we can grab from this verse. What's that? Note, church, that Daniel had already purposed in his heart even before he ended up in a critical junction. Daniel had already purposed. I'm going to be, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to live for God. He had already purposed that God had already laid that upon his heart. And I think, guys, every single morning when we get up and we face a cruel and wicked world, a world that we're not part of, but we're in, you guys tracking with me? I think the first thing we need to do is we need a purpose. Okay, I'm going to live, living radically is really simple. How's that? Just purpose, purpose that you're going to live for God. Lord, I purpose today. I'm in my heart. It's my heart. Before I even get to a critical, before I even heal the fi- the filthy jokes at my work, before my boss asks me to do something, or before I, I whatever it might be in your world, and and in your world it might be just simply be nice to somebody. And you've already purposed. What do you? What, what have I purposed? Church, listen to me. You've already purposed. Oh, this is going, ready? You've already purposed to reflect Jesus to the world. I, I, I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus in you. You get up, you go, listen, I just want to reflect that. I just want to reflect Jesus to the world. Listen, I know I'm going to blow it, and I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm not Jesus. I get that. But I want to reflect him as much as I possibly can. I want to reflect him. I want people to look at me and go, wow. They don't want to lift me up, but they want to lift Jesus up. Wow. Wow. Why? Because you got up and you said, listen, it's already laid in my heart. It's already laid in my heart. I want to reflect. That's what Daniel did. That's the first thing. 
Daniel lived radically because he had purposed, it had laid in his heart to get up each day, no matter where he lived or what the day brought. He was going to live for God. Guys, do we do that? Can, can, can we, do we do, get up every morning going, God, I'm going to live for you. This is, use me, use me. Pastor Ben, my job is so boring, I don't see anybody. How can God use me? Trust me. He's going to bring you the one that will be used by you. Trust me. Sometimes God uses us, and we're so oblivious to it, right? And we're just like, what were you doing? I went to the store, and I was getting coffee. I, went, I had to go to the grocery store, and I was, you know, whatever it is, and you're, just, you're going through your daily routine, and God goes, listen, here's what I want to do. I want to use you. Are you ready? And then God does something crazy, something radical. I, one time I was, I was at the gym and I was working out and, and, and you know, you at the gym and you're lifting weights and you're getting buff and, 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 and I, saw this, I saw this kid and this kid was lifting weights. And I was like, I could lift more than him, but that's a whole other story. Anyway, I saw this kid and, 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 and all of a sudden we got to talking and I found out that he was getting ready to get deployed to Iraq. This was a few, several years ago. He was getting ready and I was like, wow. And so we struck up a conversation. I'm at the gym. I had, I had not purposed. I had not purpose in my went to the gym and I said, listen, you know what? Do you know that you can get killed there, right? And he's like, Yeah, I mean I'm a Marine, I can get killed. I said, Do you know where you would go if you died? I had an opportunity to lead him to the Lord in the locker room of that gym. Why? Because God's gonna use us. God's gonna use us. If we'll just purpose. Can you imagine? We don't even, I mean sometimes we don't even purpose and he blows our mind. Can you imagine if we got up and said, I'm gonna purpose? on a purpose. If you're taking note, I, I have some non-negotiables that we can learn from. The first thing we need to just purpose, guys, in our heart is to seek God, not sin. To seek God, not sin. Amos 5.4 says this, For thus says the Lord in the house of Israel, Seek me that you may live. That you may live. Ready? I'm going to step to this. Amos 5.4, I'm going to step to the side of the pulpit because, because here's what I want to say. Too many people just simply exist in this world. Can I get an amen? Just exist. What does your day look like? I can tell you what it looks like every single day. They're just existing. God says this, listen, seek me that you may live. I want to live. I want to live. I want to live. So I need to get up and I say, God, here's what I purpose. I need to seek you and not sin. I don't want to seek sin. Number two, here's a non-negotiable. Fear God, not men. Proverbs 19.23 says this. Proverbs 19.23. The fear of the Lord leads to life so that one may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. You want to sleep good? Fear God, not men. Now, that's hard. Well, because we all have this innate ability to want to be liked by people. And so we're just like, oh, what would they think of me? And I don't, want to, I don't want to offend them and everything else. But I think, guys, if we just stay focused on, God, I'm going to purpose to fear you. I'm going to have this awesome reverence of who you are and obeying your word. That's what I want to do. That's, I, 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 I want to fear God, not men. Number three, love God not the world. John 2.15 says, Do not love the world nor the things 
in the world. If anyone loves the world, I think it's First John, I'm sorry. If any do not love the world nor the things of the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is what? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful, boastful, boastful pride of life. It's not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Have, have, you, caught a, have, have you caught a little trend through there? You go, what's that? If we seek God, we're going to live. If we fear God, we're going to live. And he says this. He says, listen, he who does the will of God lives forever. Love God, not the world. Number four, non-negotiable. Believe God, not the deceiver. John chapter 8, verse 44, it says, You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He is a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar. He is the father of lies. Our our job is to believe God, not the deceiver, not the devil. That's a non-negotiable. What are they? Once again, really quick, seek God, not sin. Fear God, not men. Love God, not the world. Believe God, not the deceiver. Believe, believe. I found an illustration to reflect this. It was in 1938. A man in Long Island ordered a very expensive weather barometer. He unwrapped it and realized that the arrow that was supposed to reflect the weather he was experienced was stuck at the bottom pointing at hurricane. And so he slammed it down a few times. And when he didn't respond, he wrote a hot letter to the manufacturer, mailed it off on the way to work. And when he came home, he found that a hurricane had hit and everything was gone. He didn't believe. He thought it was broken. Our job is to believe God. Believe God, not the deceiver. Well, what are we supposed to believe? Listen, can I just tell you? Here's what I want you to believe tonight, okay? Listen, I know we struggle, but here's what I want you to believe. You need to believe that God is pleased with you through his son, Jesus. You need to know that he's pleased with you. You need to know that he loves you. You need to know that he sent his son so that he can reconcile and have a relation. And the relationship is not that hard. He stands with his arms wide open. He says, listen, I want to talk. I want to talk. Can we go for a walk? Have you, ever, have you ever thought that, church? Have you ever said, listen, I'm just going to go for a walk and just talk to God? I'm just going to talk. I'm just going to go for a walk. What are you doing? He's talking to the Lord. Can you, by faith, can you, by faith, say, listen, I'm going to hold the hand of Jesus and we're just going to talk? Why? Because it's a relationship. It's a relationship. There's many times I can tell you that when Nathalie had chemo and the next day we would go for a walk and and we just held hands and we walked around the park and she was trying to build up her strength but it was a relationship and we just talked we just talked and some of those are the best moments of my life just walking through and talking it's the same thing with god he wants to talk to you you guys it's not a one-sided relationship it's not what kind of relationship would we have if
If all we ever did is talk to God when we needed him in emergencies. God, if you just get me out of this one, I promise I'll serve you. God, if you just... And God's like, really? I thought, can, could, we just, could we just talk? How are you doing? God wants to know how you doing. How's it going? What are your... What, listen, when a husband and wife to get, get together and they, and they have what we call intimacy, not, not the physical intimacy, but, but when they have this great intimacy and, and they talk about their fears and their dreams and, and their aspirations and who they are, That's what God wants to do. He just wants, to, he just wants a relationship with you. Tell him. Tell him your, your, your fears. Tell him your struggles. Tell him when you're excited. So what do we do? Well, keep this in mind, church. Keep this in mind. Back in our study. When we purpose to live for God, it should always lead to action. When we purpose, it should always lead to action. Look at, look at verse 9 of Daniel chapter 1. Now, God brought Daniel into favor with the, and goodwill with the chief of the eunuchs. See, listen, even before Daniel will appeal the problem, God has already what? He's already brought favor into the chief of the eunuchs. Now, here's what I want you to catch. God will never abandon us when we stand for him. Daniel entrusted himself to God, and God came through. And he came through it with no doubt stretching and experience for Daniel and his friends. God's going to be there. Listen, when you get up and you purpose, I'm going to live for you. He's not going to leave you alone. All right, you're going to live for me? Go. We'll see you on the other side. He's like, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. That's what he did for Daniel. Look what Daniel does, right? Daniel verse 10. And so the chief of the eunuch said to Daniel, I fear the Lord. The king has appointed your food and drink. Why should you see the faces looking worse than the young men your age? then you should endanger my head before the king. He's going, God, listen, there's, this is what the king ordered for you to eat. Why? What are you talking about, Daniel? You purpose not to eat? What's going on? As a matter of fact, listen, what happens if, if, if you start looking sick and all these other guys, it's my head, it's my job. Now, <clears throat> notice with me in verse 11. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had said over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servant for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies as you see fit to deal with your servants. Did you catch that? What's that? Two amazing things going on right here that I believe will help us with our walk. You go, what's that? Guys, if we're going to live radically, here's what I want you to know. What's that? Daniel appeals humbly. I want you to see the context. He was taken away from Israel. He was taken away from all that he loves. He's in the world. He's not of the world. He's not Babylon. He's not, he's not employing the name Belteshazzar. He's employing the name Daniel. But he still walks in humility. He still walks in. Think about that. He is a humble servant of God, and he doesn't rebel in authority. If you want to live radically, guys, purpose to live humbly. We learned on Sunday in Genesis that we're what? That we came from dust. How, how, how in the world does dirt brag? But we do, don't we? Well, you don't know who I am. You should see me. I do. You're dirt. You're dust. Die once and see what happens. You're going to go back to dirt. Daniel appeals in humility. Guys, sometimes you are very, listen, sometimes you are very much in the right 
in your conversation and in your conquest. But the fact is that but we don't do it in humility. Guys, it doesn't take a lot to notice that Daniel loved God and that by loving God, he loved the people. Why? Because he, he humbly appeals to the chief of the eunuchs. Hey, listen, I, may I appeal? May I appeal? He says, yeah. It's Romans chapter 12, verse 16. He says, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Number two, real quick, as the worship team kind of makes their way up here. Number two, right? We're walking humility. But number two, understand that Daniel was a true leader. He was a true leader. Look at verse 12. But test your, what does it say? Help me, church. Servants. He didn't just say, well, test me. He's like, hey, test all of us. Who? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's like, test all of us. And I'm thinking they're going, Daniel, don't, don't include us. You have your own little Daniel diet. But the reason he did that is because he was a true leader. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were followers. That's an example. Verse 14, so he consented with them in this matter. They tested him for 10 days, and at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus, the steward took away the portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink, and he gave them vegetables. He was radical. It's radical in what? In the food. Because he loved God. Okay, guys. So in closing, and as we get ready to partake, what does it mean for us to have a non-negotiable walk with Jesus? You ready? It means that we love Jesus more than we love life itself. We love Jesus more than we love life itself. It's been said, we don't follow Jesus because he makes life better. We follow Jesus because he's better than life. And if you truly want to live radically for Jesus, follow the example of David. Number one, Wake up every day in purpose to live for him. Just purpose, God, I purpose. Number two, don't allow the world to compromise your thinking. Don't allow the world to compromise your thinking. Trust and believe God. Number three, walk humbly as a, with a servant's attitude. Number four, a true leader is one, knows how to, is, is one who knows how to follow first. A true leader is one that knows how to follow first. And number five, in this world, guys, our faith will be tested. How do you know? In Daniel chapter three, guess where he ends up? He ends up in a hungry den of lions because he's simply living for God. And your faith will be tested. Understand that. So as we move into this portion of communion, guys, let us... Let us remember these things. But here's my prayer, guys, that tonight, that as we take communion, that it would be, a, it would be more than just going, okay, pastor, we're taking communion, but tonight may be a declaration that we're going to live like Daniel. We're going to live radically. We're going to live radically, that nothing's going to stop us. Nothing's going to, the world's not, the world's not going to change, but you've changed. 
And so as we come to the communion table, that you would purpose in your heart that I would declare, God, that I want to live radically for you. Just like Daniel did, just like Zacchaeus did. That's my heart and my prayer. So, Father, we come and we worship you and we thank you. We thank you for the bread and the wine, Lord, the communion service. Lord, my prayer is that this would be a dedication to you, that as each one comes forward, that they would be dedicated to live like Daniel, to purpose, to employ, and to love all that you love. We ask this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.